welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review wherever you find this podcast. In case you haven't picked up on it yet, this podcast will become increasingly queer-friendly space. If that isn't your thing, well, hang in there, you'll live. Let's get into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes were exploring the dungeon below Castle Mentor when they made a new friend, Skrix, which seems to be the pronunciation we decided on eventually. You hear the padding of little tiny feet behind you down the hallway. Oh, I'm going to look that way. And you see a cat, a tiny sphinx cat with a lot of extra wrinkles. And as it trots toward you in the dim light, you can you can see its front paws are bird claws. Across its back are little bat wings. That was a 20 arcana. That is a familiar of a wizard. You know it is not an animal, it is a spirit that has been given physical form, and it is trotting towards you. Shit, who do you work for? Our heroes invade Lord Mentor's private vault and make off with the notebooks of Thorn's cutting ideas, a fancy vial of potion, a stone eye matching a stone crown, and that's about it. This vault is filled with... Shelves of books, pieces of art that are stacked along the walls, hung on the walls. There's one pedestal for each of the major families with an object on it. All around the room, there is fairy objects. So it looks a bit like a museum dedicated to fairy creatures. Jalen got called into the Thieves' Guild and was dressed down for interfering, but she turned it to her advantage when she got her uncle to agree to trade a service for information on who's trying to kill Sable. You solve this problem for me. And I will tell you exactly who took that contract out. Just so you know, keep his head in shape. I think we're going to need a fall guy for this one. Is it okay if it's detached? Preferable. Three members of House Varathy. Which three? That would be Lorelai. I knew it! Ophelia and Hester. Two circle members. Sylpha's mother came forward with a surefire plan to ruin the Mason family's attempts to marry her to Byron Mason. Sylpha has decided she might give the relationship a second chance. Or really, a first chance. You really want to marry into House Mason? If it meant I could change things there... I think being married is going to limit you a lot. Not if the man has any intelligence at all. Sable presented Lord Mentor with the head of the assassin, and very much took control of the situation with her family. I believe that people can change. I would give those people the opportunity to right their wrong. One opportunity. Make sure there are no other attempts on me. Because if there is one, I will put all three of them in front of me. Three of them? I don't even have a specific number. The three people whose names you have all appear to be very nervous right now. You imagine in their minds, while napping in your room, You captured and tortured an assassin until he spilled his guts. That's what I wanted. Let's get into it. The room gets sort of very quiet, and Lord Mentor says, A bold risk, Sable, but what I like about it is that it keeps the family together, and it keeps the stability of House Varathy, and that is what is most important. The stability of House Varathy. Now, I am pleased with this outcome. You have my full support in this plan, and... He stands up and says, I will be calling an announcement at the end of dinner today 
to announce the heir to the household. I will see you all in the ballroom. The servant who didn't realize he was carrying a severed head is looking super green. And Lord Mentor says, get rid of that. And he, he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you may all leave. I again, turn on my heel and leave the room without looking at anyone. And I take Helena with me. Okay. Helena follows behind you. And I go back to my room and let out a deep sigh. <sighs> and Helena will chime in. I think that went really well. In fact, I, I dare say that's very close to what Matron would have done. <sighs> I get tears in my eyes and say, thank you. That's very kind to say. Yes. Well, just don't do all of the things the Matron would have done. I know. I know. You don't have to be her. I know, I don't want to be her. But the show definitely helped. I think they're scared shitless. Champion? Yeah. Some of our own. Some of our own. Yeah. I was concerned they might do that. Specifically because they didn't consider you to be one of their own. But they'll learn. Now I have to figure out what to do with them. Well, you do have the full authority. You can kick them out. Do you think that... Lady Varathy would have done so? No. No, I think she would have kept her enemies quite next to her and probably spent the next ten years reminding them of their failure. That is good to know. Oh. I suppose I should prepare to make sure that my food isn't poisoned. Good luck. I'm going to stand guard out just outside of your door. Thank you. Dinner is in about an hour and a half. Great. For that hour and a half, I'm really actually going to just rest and just probably sit on my bed and shake for a little while because holy shit, that was scary. You hear Champion Helena chasing people off actively. Thank you, Champion Helena. Jalen, you arrive at House Evans. When you arrive, Lord Evans isn't there. Apparently he was at the party, although you didn't see him. But Jessica is there. Kylan is not. And as usual, there's no sign of Isaac anywhere. What's Jessica doing? So when you come in, Jessica's in the back practicing with her new silvered weapons. Jalen will go back and practice with her. Oh, good. She would love a sparring partner. Yeah, yeah. Per the usual, she is really aggressive and overly violent. Mm -hmm. And you have to spend a lot of time not getting stabbed. But it works out pretty well. Silpha, what are you up to? Well, I didn't have a room at the Minter Keep for the funeral. I was going to stay close to Sable as much as possible. You could get a room, I imagine. I mean, Miev's room is literally empty. You could just stay in hers. Or stay with me. Yeah, Silpha will stick around. Oh, yay! <laughs> when you come into the room, because I'm sure Champion Helena would let you back in. She would be so happy to see you. She would, like, hurry up and give you a big hug. There are already people talking. I think you did really well. Thank you. Lord Mentor said something about that it helps establish stability and that that's what he wants for the family. Stability. Status quo. I know. I know. But yes, you did the right thing. So there will be a a person walking down the hall with a bell. You know that that means it's time to start gathering in the dinner hall. I'm going to make sure that my food and drink are purified. I'll do so in a way that doesn't make the magic apparent and obvious and crazy. Roll Arcana to try to do this subtly. 
20. All right, yeah. You disguise a conversation about magic with Silpha to cast a spell. Mm. No one seems to quite figure that out. Yeah, take, for example, your food right here, which I am certain is purified. <laughs> blah, 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 etc. Yeah, so it is a large-scale three-course meal. The dinner table around you is very quiet, but it's very talkative around the room. Lord Mentor will stand up and clink his glass quite a bit. But he stands up and, and sort of shouts over the room as it quiets. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a sad time for House Varathi. And I have decided that the best person to see House Varathi through this time and the new heir is the matron baroness, Sable Valeria Varathi. There is no applause. <laughs> And then he says, as many of you know, this is a a lesser known name in the Varathi family, but Valeria Varathi was the matron's firstborn, and her daughter, Sable, has been accepted and raised within the family. It is only fitting that she, as the rightful heir, take her place and if I'm not mistaken, the matron left her in charge just before her passing. Which means it is the logical choice. Now, it is probably not what anyone thought, and so I recommend during the dessert course that you introduce yourself. And he kind of waves a hand very broadly and it settles pointed in the direction of Sable. Oh gosh, so I'm looking at you going, Sable, what do I do? You stand. You thank the regent, you tell everyone you're looking forward to getting to know them better, and say something commemorative of the matron. Okay, I'm going to stand up slowly, and I will take that bow curtsy in a slow way, which gives me enough time to think of something to say. As I'm standing back up, and I say, Lord Regent, you honor me, and I thank you for that honor. The matron baroness was perhaps the strongest and wisest guide anyone could have had in this life. And I will try to do her memory honor. Roll perform. That'd be 16. 16 is good. You fill your lungs appropriately and fill the room with your voice. And I'm nervous enough that I squeeze out a tear in the process. The room sort of takes it in, and as you get quiet, there's a smattering of applause that starts, and it becomes actually, you know, a polite golf clap around the room. And then Lord Mentor will say, I am also pleased to announce that the assassin that attempted to disrupt the funeral today has been dispatched. There is nothing to worry about. And he will gesture to his wife, who stands up, and he sits down. And then she says, It is time for a tribute to the matron. At this time, I would like to invite people to speak of their memories of the woman who was. And I will start. The matron was a terror. She was strong. Anyone who met her knew that they were in her shadow and that they would stay there. She was a giant of a person. Her power consumed the entire room whenever she entered. 
and she did not care what you thought of her. And it is with that power that she led the kingdom in many regards. And so I would like to say that as we remember this person, we remember their goodness, we remember their badness, we remember their strengths and their flaws, and we know that all people are capable of great things. Well, at least in this room. And there's like a ha ha ha. And then she sort of scans the room, inviting people to stand up. And periodically, basically each one of the nobles of the other houses will stand up and give some kind of prepared remark eulogy. Most of them are not quite as blunt, but they all hint at the fact that the matron was a mixed bag. No one uses the word kind. So the, they give eulogy statements for about 45 minutes, and then um, everybody settles in for the dessert course. At which point, a succession of lords and ladies come and meet you. I'm sure that Champion Helena can keep a steady line of them without overwhelming She manages the line pretty well, yeah. She doesn't have a lot of experience doing this sort of major domo kind of thing. Yeah. But she manages a line. So you meet Lord and Lady Frikers, Lord and Lady Mason... Uh, you already know Lord and Lady Mason, and they are very congratulatory. I thank them and say that it's such a blessing to see them here. And Lord Mason goes for a kiss on the cheek. Of course, you are heavily covered, I imagine, with a veil. Yeah. At which point he says, be careful with Lady Mason. She comes in to give you a, a hug and a kiss on the cheek, and she says... Let's just keep each other's secrets. Is that all right? Yeah. Lord and Lady Pornino come in and greet you. Lord and Lady Drury come in and greet you. Lord and Lady Drury are real standoffish. Okay. Actually, I need to check my notes. Lady Drury might actually be one of Lorelai's children. It is, actually. Oh! <laughs> also, they're super distrusting of magic, and that is well known. So the yeah. fact that you are... Rumored to be a druid is not great. Mm. Well, and and for anyone in between, like you know, the uh, people of import that I would recognize from court, I'm like the person whispering in Sable's ear. That so and so is related to so and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate very much because I didn't pay that much attention in class. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Frikers will introduce themselves. I don't believe you've met them before, really. I mean, you saw them at the funeral, but generally speaking, you you meet all of the primary lords and ladies, title-holding nobility. Then you meet a wave of high-ranking cousins and a few of the remaining kingdom's merchants, including Mrs. Lunari, who is actually there with... What's your aunt's name? Her aunt, Melise. Yes. So Melise is there. She manages the, the honey and mead kind of side of the things and is one of the only remaining powerful merchants in town and she introduces herself you haven't met Silpha's aunt before as they're coming forward i would ask you know since i actually know Silpha's mom really well if it's acceptable for me to give her a hug very quietly ask her yeah yeah i will very specifically uh put my arms out for a hug from, oh, okay. from her mother yeah she'll give you a big hug and then she'll kind of say as she's parting if you need any advice i've got all of the dirt all of it Thank you. Thank you, Miss Lenari. 
Well, the dessert course lasts for an hour and a half as a result of this, so... I am absolutely exhausted. I'm used to spending most of my time by myself. At which point, the ballroom starts to be cleared, and it is time for a dance, and people expect seem to be expecting you to dance. Oh, God. Do I know? Uh, yeah, I have to. I went to finishing school. I have to know how to do some dances. Yeah, you, I mean, you've learned a couple things. So this is super traditional. So you have advantage on your perform check. Oh, God. As lots of people do, in fact, watch you dance. Uh, who am I dancing with? Well, um, I believe... Natural 20? Natural 20! You, you're, kill, you're killing it. <laughs> you didn't learn the names, but you got the waltz down. Like, <laughs> like nobody's business. Silpha will either dance with you, or she will pull someone she knows fairly well over to dance with you. I'll grab a cousin of mine. Oh, okay. Great. I grab my cousin Cora, who is this... Tall, slender, dark-eyed woman with quite obvious snake-patterned skin and close-cropped hair. She's kind of an exotic beauty. I will probably spend some time staring at her. Cousin Cora is one of my favorites. Cousin Cora really likes this dance. I mean, she is all invested. There are several times where she's not supposed to be as close as she is, and she is extra close. I am probably smiling more than I should be mm, okay. and blushing just a little bit. Well, that's okay. You, you kill it on the dance floor. You absolutely kill it. And you get a lot of attention for it. And as you leave, people are, are excited. There's a number of people who will try to step in and dance with you. Your 20 carries through. And you get a good two hours of dancing in. <gasps> oh, God. I'm so tired. At which point, uh, Cora will try to walk you to your room. Wow. I'm looking at Silpha to save me because I have no idea what to do, but I'm sure as hell not going to create a problem my first night. So Silpha will third wheel it and basically like invite herself along. So this is pretty much what court events are like. Is it? Yes. All right. I'm going to turn and walk with her as she's starting to tell me these things. So Cora will tag along for a little bit down the hallway. And then like as you're Getting into the residence quarters, she will interject a comment and then leave. I will say, oh, Cousin Cora, it was so good to see you. And I'll bring Sable by the manor sometime. Please do, Sable. You are the best dancer I have ever seen. I'll dare a hand squeeze. Thank you. We should definitely do this again. I just kind of blush and drop my head. And she will turn and walk away quickly. Isn't she lovely? She's beautiful. And a very good dancer. I'm blushing even more now. She didn't go to finishing school, but she's got a good head on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, like, absolutely fearless. I have watched her climb trees. Fearless fearless is good. Take hives out of the trees. No, I'm imagining her climbing trees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, she actually has really great shoulders. (laughs) Yeah, unlike unlike Silpha, she's fairly, fairly muscular. That's... That's great. Um, I'm really tired. The I find these events to be exhausting, too. So Champion Helena will stride up, and she says, we're going to do a bit of a rotation so that someone is always on guard and always awake, and I am running out of awake. So uh, Champion Mordant, I believe you've probably seen him around. He's was responsible for the majority of your grandmother's security. I'll thank him for... Morden nods, and you can see he has, like, cat eyes. And he says, I'm usually the night shift. Thank you. I appreciate this. 
I'm also running out of awake. Well, uh, I will see you to your room, please. Meanwhile, back over at House Evans, Lord Evans strolls in pretty late, pretty really late. Do you stay up for him? Yeah, she's going to stay up and see who comes in. Isaac will sit down and say, I think it's a good idea, Father. And he says, "I are you sure it's a good idea? The Masons are, well, they're kind of on the outs. And Isaac says, no, no, I think it's a wonderful idea. And he kind of tilts his head to the side and says, oh, okay, okay, fine. I'll set it up. Jalen, how are you? I've uh, up and down. Um, yeah. Did your uncle find you? He was rather upset at one point yesterday. We've talked since yesterday. Okay. We probably need to talk again. Good. Well, I'm sure he'll be back in the dojo sometime after dawn. Okay. And he goes to walk basically up to his room. And he says, have you seen Jessica? Yeah, we were sparring earlier. All right, I'll look for her in the dojo. And he goes to find Jessica, leaving you and Isaac in the study. With the wrench. <laughs> Isaac says, so I heard Lynn Pornino really likes you. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. I also hear you got in a fight with an army of fairy creatures. Yep, that happened too. I, I don't know that you could call it an army, but yes, there was a thing. Hmm, I assume there's some exaggeration when these things come around, but people assumed it would take an army to take down the matron, so an army it is. Okay. Out of curiosity, what kind of fairy creature was it? Like these little men with wings. Hmm. They turned into wolves. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Little men with wings who turn into wolves. Were they casting spells, or did they just turn into a wolf? I don't know. He says, huh. Well, there's a couple things that could be. The one thing about fairies is, well, there's a little bit of consistency. There's not a great deal, particularly in the fairies in our region. He stands up. Isaac, I need to ask you a question. Yeah. And we should go where no one will hear me My room is well positioned. Okay. So he will take you up to his room and walk through the door. Again, you pass like all of the No Girls Allowed stickers. That are probably stuck <laughs> from when he was eight. But you step in and again you feel that harsh pull as the magic almost tries to repel you. But it does let you in. So he closes the door. And closes the door. And he locks it. And he says, take a few steps away from the door and nobody should be able to hear us. Okay. So she'll do that. She She's sort of like, okay, how do I ask this question? Like she's obviously putting phrases through her mind of like how to word this then she finally says okay do we have allies outside of Fenrir we no I do yes but potentially we could yeah we could have allies outside of Fenrir I have contacts with several mayors of former Fenrir provinces and one admiral could they possibly help us? Could they help us with the thorns in place, or is there no way? Hmm. Is it just the messages you get from them? Just the messages usually. the Even with magic, most people aren't willing to risk the thorns. It, interestingly enough, the humans on the outside of the thorn wall don't mutate. They do lose their minds, though. The thorns drive them mad if they go too close to them or? if they touch them if, oh. if it pricks them but they don't gain animal traits like we do internally if the thorns were to go away mm -hmm. what do you think would happen to us 
And she's kind of space. She's not like paying attention to how he's responding to this. She's sort of pacing a little bit and she's kind of far away gaze. He says, well, I've actually been looking into that specifically for a few years now. And what's interesting is the politics have changed outside of the city of Fenrir a lot. The Northern Kingdom, which was a a theocracy dedicated to the God of the Sun, basically swept down and took all of the providences that surround today's Kingdom of Fenrir and has been managing them poorly, overtaxing them, that sort of thing. So I suspect when the walls, when the thorns come down, Fenrir will attempt to reclaim what is rightfully its, and the northern army will attempt to repel them. I believe it will be a war. She kind of stops and looks at him and says, when they come down. Well, so there's some, a lot of speculation about that. I assume that a path will be made through the thorns at some point. There's a project that has been going for 45 years out of the Thieves' Guild. Father doesn't know about it, but Kylan does. With the were-rats? Well, they're just... that's The were-rats are generally the assassins portion of the Thieves' Guild. They're not doing the digging. They're digging? Yes, very slowly. How far have they gotten? Well, it's hard to tell. Well into the thorns, but probably not... Well, definitely not beyond them. How far down are they having to go? Pretty far. Pretty far. The thorns' roots seem to pierce unnaturally far, at least ten feet. They can't go through bedrock, but they can come pretty close. They're a persistent problem, but in theory, at some point, there will be a way out, well before the thousand-year timeline. What were you talking about with Lord Evans? Oh, marrying into the Mason family. You? Yeah, they're recruiting wizards. Oh, that makes so much sense. They've discovered some old magical formula. They can't make a lot of sense out of it. Rather than trying to train up a wizard from scratch, they're... Do you know what kind of magic? Uh, kind of magic? I mean, I assume it's transmutation if it's the formation of walls, but it could, it could be conjuration in some cases. Creating walls and, and buildings from where there was none. Oh, it could be abjuration, actually, because the types of buildings would need... Okay, shut up. <laughs> I think you should talk to my friend Silpha. Um, why? Because believe it or not, she knows something you don't. Oh. Jalen, I'm going to ask a serious question I don't normally ask. Are you trying to set me up with your friend? No. Oh, oh, no. No. God, no. Okay. I wouldn't do that to my friend. (laughs) 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 And she's like, I wouldn't do that to... No, no, not at all. But, you know, seriously, she knows something that you don't, and the Masons are after her, too. I will invite her to tea. You should do that. Also, what I asked you to promise me before... Yes, the spying thing. Yes. I'll have you know that while I was at the party, I was not spying on you. Never mind. Never mind this topic or never mind the promise? Never mind the promise. Why the change of heart? Just never mind. Um, all right. But don't get creepy because then I have to beat you up. Hmm. Weren't paying attention. You'd have never known I was there. I prefer it that way. Means no watching people get dressed. I don't use my magic for that. 
So you and Meg Mason? Is that what he's going for? Well, there are some younger ones that we would, like, the contract would be several years out. But I think Meg would be an interesting opportunity because she is incompetent. Absolutely incompetent. (laughs) And you could have every bit of control that you wanted. I mean, I wouldn't be home much. Wow. The amount of love in this empire is just staggering. You know, I don't think it would occur to any of our characters to marry for love. I know. I know. Except for Silpha. Except for Silpha. (laughs) She's still thinking about getting married not for love. (laughs) And she's like, I I don't know what to do about Lynn. Oh, yeah, Lynn. I heard he was here with Father. I was out. I missed it. Yeah. He gave me a magic sword. Um, that kills fairies. Oh. So they come from a long line of... Fairy hunters. Well, I was going to use the term fairy knights. They sort of swore to protect the the lands of the natural world. But after the thorns, they turned sour. Yeah. And not all fairies are good. So the fairy knights did a fair amount of... Are there any fairies fairy that are slaying. good? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, so this is theory because I haven't actually met a lot of fairies and try not to talk to them, but there are fairies of, well, okay, so there are fairies of the summer and there are fairies of the winter. And then there are the wild fae, which are not aligned with the forces of the summer or the forces of the winter. So the forces of the summer are all about abundance and life and enjoying the world and the forces of the winter are all about perseverance and strength. They're quite difficult to deal with. And the wild fae are just a mixed bag. A mixed bag that of course controls this land. The fairy queen is a wild fairy. Yes, she is not aligned with summer or winter, as far as I can tell. At least all of the fairies I've managed to catch insist that they are unaligned, and fairies can't lie. Okay. Given the guild I don't know what to do about Lynn. Uh, he would definitely not be accepting of the kind of... Yeah. I don't think he would be accepting of anything they do. I mean, the the, the thiefing is probably the, the least offensive thing, and I don't think he'd be pleased with that either. Do you think he already knows? I don't know. I can... Kylan's putting pressure on me. I can find out if you'd like. Would you? What they know about the Thieves Guild over at House Porting you, yeah, I can I can do that. I think they've got an idea. I mean, we have a reputation. I it depends. I so it's very easy for someone to say, Well, they're all nobles who work in the, the fur and leather trade and Kylan's the black sheep. They may not know more than that. I mean, the condition for me getting to keep the sword was not to get into the shady business for which House Evans is known. Ah. So I think I'm in a position of marry Lynn and not be an Evans anymore or not be with Lynn. Well, Jessica would like the outcome where you're not in charge of the Thieves Guild, I'm sure. I know she would. You might want to make a decision soon, though. Kylan has a tendency of, well, he's stubborn. Do you know about him? He's an extremely talented swordsman who is an orphan adopted into our household. Okay. Um. Do I know that they have certain agreements that allow them to take 
forms? Yeah. Do I know that Kylan only thinks he's in charge and really isn't? Yeah, you've hinted at that before. Yeah. Thanks, Isaac. Hey, anytime. Oh, and uh, he, he opens his door to let you out. Keep an eye out for Vincent. He's... A rat. I was going to say a priest. Of what? So someone is overseeing their rites and rituals. Someone is their tie to the Queen of the Fairies. Mm -hmm. And that person is Vincent. If he decides Kylan's not in charge anymore, then Kylan's not in charge anymore. Okay. Thanks, Isaac. Hey, anytime. <laughs> I'm here to burst your bubble whenever <laughs> you want. That's right. <laughs> So meanwhile, you have your twilight meeting. So it actually goes late because they called the meeting, but then dinner got called. So they go to dinner and then there's the dancing thing and you get to your room and are exhausted. And that's about when there's a knock at your window. All right. I go to the window. And there's like a critter there and you kind of open the window and then a, uh, a monkey sort of steps into your room and transforms into a person. Okay. And Ophelia is there, and she says, uh, "The we're ready. We're ready. Right. Does Champion Helena know? He does know, yes. All right. Let's meet. All right. And she turns back into a monkey and scales down the side of the manor and disappears into the grass. I'll be a typical house cat again. You gotta get down three stories if you're gonna go out the window. I mean, you could do it as a house cat. It might hurt, though. Just be a monkey. I suppose I could, yeah. Yeah, you saw a monkey. She didn't even turn into a monkey. Uh, okay, fine. Monkey me. All right. You, Reese's monkey, your way down yep. down the eaves and end up on the ground. And then... Off to behind the stables, pretty yep, much? and you get behind the stables where there's a group of women. Uh, they're all in their morning outfits. They did not bother to change. Yes, of course they did. And neither did I. I hadn't had the opportunity to. It's Ophelia, Helena, Hester, Patricia, and Gretchen, right? Correct. Five others and me. Does anyone say anything when I get there? So Gretchen will step forward. Congratulations. Lord Mentor seems to have really seen the matron's reflection in you. The rest of them are pretty quiet. Unfortunately, the trouble in these times isn't past yet. I think you did a pretty good job in the meeting. I hope it's past. I do too but I don't know yet who in the family I can trust. Well, I think you can trust the circle. Can I? I'm going to stare at every single one of them. Patricia says, the circle's eternal. Hester? Hester says, you should understand that there are many of us who have wanted to be head of the circle for a very long time and simply can't under the previous set of situations. And how does that say anything about whether I can trust the circle? Are you suggesting I don't trust? I think the matron got by by understanding that everyone here has their ambitions and used it in her favor. Personally, I, I think she's a little standoffish. You could probably be a little bit more trusting than she was. Gretchen? Gretchen doesn't say anything. Are you going to ever speak in the circle? She sighs and says... My role is to train the new druids on herb lore and woodsman skills and survival and forest stewardry. That is what I'm here to do. 
Ophelia. I think you can trust us all. We're here for you. Helena. Helena says, I wouldn't trust any of these people as far as even throw them. What I would do is assume that they would like your position and don't have the guts to take it or the power to do so. And everybody kind of turns and stares at Helena like, the hell? Sup, bitch? (laughs) I can say whatever I want. And they all kind of give sour looks at each other. And Helena says, the matron's generation fought a bloody civil war over who got to be in charge of this. And the next generation fought a diplomatic civil war over who got to be in charge of this. And the next generation just thought they could do it better. And you're the next one down. So let's see what you come up with. All right. If any of you are part of the people who have called for my assassination, understand that I will not forget it. Helena says, if. That's kind of you. What do you say we wrap this up and head to bed? I like it. Hey, everyone. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps people find us, plus we do more of what you say you like, generally. So get out there and tell us what you think. Today's animal facts are brought to you by Silpha's dad. Facts about the dung beetle. Uh, Dung beetles are, of course, known for their courting ritual, where they roll up a ball of dung, which is poo-poo for you sophisticated kids out there, and the female hops on the ride, and they head off to their future love nest. We assume this is how Silpha's parents met. In reality, it's a bit more complicated than this. Dung beetles are a 30 million-year-old species. They're found all around the globe, except for maybe Antarctica. And they come in different types. uh, Rollers, tunnelers, and dwellers. Rollers are the famous ones that roll up dung and kick it away with their back legs, where they bury it or fill it full of eggs. Tunnelers leave the dung right where it is, and a happy couple digs underneath it. Dwellers just hang out inside the pile, happily live in there. The coolest thing about these bugs is their raw physical power. When rolling dung, they can push 1,140 times their body weight. This is the equivalent of a man basically pushing several large buses or a few semis. All in a day's work, right? Aside from this omega level of strength, they're engineered for kicking ass. They have horns on their heads, spurs on their back legs, an exoskeleton of armor, and wings that can take them several miles in a single trip. Some breeds of dung beetles mate for life, others are one and done, but the dung beetle is very rare in that it actually exhibits parenting behaviors in the insect kingdom. Some new research has concluded that dung beetles also tell direction by looking at the stars. This, I think, is probably the most amazing animal fact of all. One last side note, Silva's dad is, of course, inspired by Kubo in the Two Strings, which, if you have not seen, is a great movie. All right, let's get back to it. There's something wrong outside the bedroom of Lord Mentor, but it isn't anything anyone can see. There's a sense of intangible fear that sets the hair on the back of your neck standing. A tightness in your chest forms as a cold draft seems to touch just the very pit of your stomach. Even the most loyal of Lord Mentor's servants have found something else to do this hour, leaving the hallway completely empty. Even the Queen has chosen to sleep in her personal study. We see the Lord stride through the halls, his usual bearing falters as he reaches his door. Confusion crosses over his face. 
but only momentarily. His expression turns stern. He opens the door and strides in, closing it behind him. The first chime of the grandfather clock in the main hall echoes down the corridor. The faded form of a woman with blonde hair and a blue dress takes shape in the hallway and steps after Lord Mentor through the door. The chimes continue, signaling midnight. Sable, you are back in the room. You have finally fallen asleep. Oh, yay. You hear down the hallway, or rather you don't hear because you're unconscious, 12 chimes from a clock. On the 12th chime, you bolt upright in bed because the coldness leaves you instantly, and you feel warm and bizarrely peaceful. This is the coldness that has settled with me since I saw the ghost. Correct. It's gone? Yep. Right at midnight. Am I alone in my room? So Silpha is, say, has a book in, on her chest and lying in a chair asleep. Silpha. Yeah? What? Do you, you, you didn't do anything. I do what? The cold? Do you remember? Oh, from, from the ghost. Yeah. It's, it's just gone. Well? Do you think they destroyed the ghost? Yeah, that implies that either the ghost was destroyed or she was laid to rest. There's a soft knock at your door. Thump, thump, thump. Just a moment. I will throw on whatever I put on as far as a night cover and go to the door and take a look outside. So all of the lights down the hallway have all been put out for the night, and there is a servant with a lantern uh, dressed hastily who says, I need you to come with me, please. Why? For what purpose? Lord Mentor requests your immediate attendance in the study near his bedroom. I will tie my nightgown closed. Is Champion Helena with me? No, she had gone to bed. You are now... Being watched over by someone else. Yes, Mordant. Mordant. So Mordant is in the hallway. So I will bring Mordant with me. I'm not going alone. Silver, are you going? Yeah, she's in the room with me, so unless this servant says no... May I make an attendance? Of course. The servant turns around without really acknowledging your question. I will follow. So you arrive in a very small study. It has four plush chairs. It looks like one for each family member. There's a small shelf of books. There's a fireplace that is lit. Little memorabilia around the room, like wooden walking horses and little quirky things like that. This is not a public study in any way, shape, or form. And when you walk in, three of the chairs are empty, and Lord Mentor is sitting there. He's wearing a night jacket. Essentially, it looks like he had just gone to bed. Well, I'm not exactly sure how to greet somebody in my night clothes, but I will curtsy in the appropriate way. He will nod at you and say, sit, please. I will take a seat. The servant says, "Uh, do you want me to stay, my lord? And Lord Mentor says, no, I would like you to leave immediately. And you will also make sure no one is near the door. And that is a direct order. And the servant turns and walks out and closes the door. And you can hear him shooing off people in the hallway who appear to have come by to eavesdrop. Right. And he'll look at Silpha and Sable and Mordant and then say, do you want Mordant here for this? How well do I know Mordant? Do you know of him he was the matron's night guard and technically the head of the house's security but 
you almost never, I mean, he, he is 100% nocturnal. I'll look directly at Morden and say, I trust you with my life. Can I trust you with this? Or would you prefer to stay outside? Morden has his arms crossed and he will sort of uncross them and sort of flex his hand. And you, you see he actually has retractable claws. And he says, I am here to protect you. I'm going to look at Mentor and say, I trust myself with you, Lord Mentor. Mordant, you can wait outside. Thank you. Mordant steps outside and the servant who was just dismissed is is still actively shooing people past Mm -hmm. the door and the door closes behind you and you can see Mordant shoving some people further from the door. And Lord Mentor waits uh, a good 30 seconds in total silence. And then he says... What happened with the Masons? I don't know. I look quite surprised at that. I... Something happened? I am told that there is information that you possess about the Masons, and I want it from you now. I give you the look like, what the fuck? You know, like, there's a phrenemic help. But I say, my lord... Any information that I have about the Masons, I assure you, has been kept confidential. He waits. It has long been trained into me that sharing information that puts others at danger is frowned upon. He waits quietly, just staring at you. Perhaps if you can tell me what happened to the Masons, I can more appropriately address your question. It's not what happened to the Masons, it's what happened while you were at the Masons. We discovered and fought ghosts who oversaw and protected the old magics. I assume that they now have located them, considering the show of power at Edgar's funeral. You see him start to strum his fingers on the chair as he sits quietly. And you'll look over at Silpha and just stare at you. Is Silpha going to do anything? I think Silpha just gazes back and is frankly terrified. I'm looking right at him. 45 seconds goes by. 60 seconds. Minute and a half. Two minutes. Full two and a half minutes. Would you minutes. like me to tell you about what Meg and my friends discussed before she went to bed with her bottles of wine? If what I have been told is true, there is a piece of information I need to confirm. And I need to confirm it right now. And no one is leaving until it is confirmed. My lord, I already have assassins on my tail. I would prefer to avoid Mason assassins as well. Clearly, that matters little to you. I'm going to give Silpha a look that's like, do I tell? can't decide whether to tell. I don't like the Mason's magic. I don't trust Lord Mentor. She feels in this moment like her life is forfeit no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't tell, Lord Mentor is pissed at me. If I do tell, House Mason will be on me. So she just looks as flummoxed as I am. We're kind of between a rock and a hard place here. Lord Mentor, the Mason Keep contains secrets I do not think all of the living masons even understand. I don't care 
As a show of good faith between my house and yours, I will share this information with you. They have ancient and powerful magic. Magic that no decent mage in this day would practice. Magic that is fueled by blood. He leans back and waves a hand, kind of silencing the room. And you can see him tapping his fingers and staring at the ceiling. A minute goes by. Two, three. At about the five minute mark, he brings his head forward and says, It has come to my attention that the Masons are attempting to acquire wizards. This will not happen. Understood? Understood, sir. I do not want to hear this in the rumor mill. Understood? Understood, sir. I I have been offered a marriage contract to Byron Mason. You will proceed as normal and I will stop it. Who else are they trying to acquire? The only other wizard of my age in the kingdom, sir. Isaac Evans. I'll call for Isaac tomorrow. This conversation was about a purchase of lumber from House Verathi. Understood? Sir, yes. At midnight? Thank you, Silpha. And he rolls his head back and stares at the ceiling, tapping his fingers on the chair for another 20, 30 seconds. And then he says, This conversation was about setting up several courting sessions with a viable candidate from House Verathi. Which one would you like, Sable? Well, out of character, I need to like know who's possible. Your choices are Alan, who is Ophelia's child. He's 16. Lily, who is Lorelai's child. Lily is 20 and currently unmarried. Elise and Avis are both Hester's children. They are 17 and 16. And then Florence is Kieran's child. I'm taking out of character thoughts on this. Things could smooth over with Lorelai if he set it up with one of her kids. But if she doesn't know that it's me that set it up? Well, this conversation is officially you setting up courtship sessions with your yeah, mentor. Yeah, but she could get power over me in that way as well. That's true. So there's danger there. Ophelia is less openly hostile to me. So that could be a poker chip in my corner. Or, yeah, olive branches. Which one's Ophelia's child? Alan. All right, Alan, it is. Lord Mentor, if you don't mind, let's set up a courtship between Alan and your daughter. Excellent. There will be a series of four, two at your place, two at ours. They will start immediately. We will come by tomorrow afternoon. Excellent. Lord Mentor will stand up. I'll stand up and curtsy, as I'm supposed to, or bow, or whatever it is that we do. And he will sweep a hand to the door and stare at you. Off I go. I think Alan was an excellent recommendation for courtship, Lady Verathi. You say as we get to the door? (laughs) And stride out into the hallway. Let's just spread that rumor right now. I'll say thank you, Silpha. I have... Your family has been of great assistance in considering these possibilities. You're intelligent beyond your years. Aw, shut. Which is funny because she's older than you are. <laughs> I would like a deception roll what? from the two of you. What? One of you has to roll. The other one does not. She is good at deception. It's a 10. A 10 is a stilted but convincing conversation. Someone will probably believe that as you head down the hallway to go to bed. Warden probably won't. 
Probably not. We get to the room. As soon as the door closes, I turn to you, and all of this is going to be in a whisper. How in the world did he find out? The ghost was dressed in the colors of the Mentor household. I can only think of a few scenarios in which the Lord Regent would have found out. Two are mundane. My mother seems implausible, but possible. Why because though she didn't know the nature of the information that I knew, she knew that I knew a secret that could get a person killed. <sighs> I did say that. And if Jalen mentioned anything to Isaac, he could have intervened in some fashion. This I... happened moments after I felt the departure of that ghost. Or the third possible scenario is that the ghost itself informed Lord Minter of the Mason's practices. Oh. As in, you were carrying her within you when you came here, and that allowed her to manifest and ask the regent herself for justice to be done. What a strange thought. Helena also knows. But Helena also was of the mindset that she wouldn't... She's not going to go tell anyone. Yeah. We don't think. Who's the least trustworthy? Silva's mom, Isaac Evans... Or Helena. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm going with the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I need everyone on my side that I can get right now. That one definitely had an agenda. Yeah. I'm going to crawl back into bed. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm just going to sit in bed. I don't know what to do with this or any information over what has happened this past week. I feel very tired and I doubt I will sleep again tonight. I thought I might feel relief, but I, I feel none. I'm... We'll need to get word to Jalen. I can do that. Okay. I feel like I've just forfeited our lives. Uh, I hope not. There, there was something Jalen was going to do oh, at that at night. night. At night, yeah, because she had just talked to Isaac, and she's a little worried about what's going on in the sewers and what might come out of the sewers and after whom. So she's going to stay dressed and fully armed and she's going to go knock on Jessica's door. Jessica will open the door and say, yeah, what's up? I need to talk to you and also sleep in your room tonight. Um, okay. Come on, let's go inside. And she'll let you in and close the door? Yep. And Jalen will sit her down and say, okay, first of all, I'm going to lend you my rapier. Your weapons are not actually silvered. She gives you this look of disbelief, followed by rage. So I need to give you my rapier until we can get your weapons properly silvered. You can tell she would like to punch you, but she extends her hand for your rapier instead. To stab you with so it. Jalen is sort of out of range. She'll hand it to she'll hand it to her by the blade, and but she's not like in range for Jessica to like grab it and stab her. She will set it on the bed behind her, but you can tell from her body language, she is livid, mm -hmm. but containing it. The other thing is, I'm going to draw this sword. And she pulls out the fairy bane, and you need to be ready for what this feels like. Okay, this is not going to feel good. Okay. 
Maybe you should lock the door so she doesn't go running out of it. Yeah, she has, that, yeah she'll do that. She'll lock the door. She goes, I'm going to lock the door. You put yourself in front of the door. I'm not threatening you. You need to understand that. You just need to understand what it feels like when the sword is out. All right. Okay. She pulls out the sword. Okay, Jessica rolls a will save. She gets advantage because I warned her, right? I don't know if you can sufficiently warn her for this. She thought maybe it was going to have, like, you know, dirty pictures drawn on it or something. <laughs> she succeeds, though, just barely, but she does. You see her tense immediately, put a hand around and set it on the hilt of the rapier and stare daggers at you for a few seconds. And then she slowly takes several more breaths and she says, Where the fuck did you get that? This was the sword that Lynn gave me. Why would Lynn give you a terror sword? <laughs> that is officially its name now. Terror sword. Woof. Because the Pornino family goes after fairies. And this is a fairy killing sword. And since everyone in the kingdom is a little bit fairy, it feels weird. Oh. Wait a minute. They hunt fairies? Yeah. Oh, maybe I should marry Faust. <laughs> yeah, Faust. He seems nice. Lord Evans does seem to favor the idea of an alliance with the Pornino family, so it might not be a bad idea. So, the reason I need to sleep in here tonight is because people might be coming for me, and it would be great if I wasn't in my own room when that happened. Like fairy people? Yeah. I'm going to wait and see if she just puts this together, because she knows they don't bleed. I mean, that was her... Discovery no, she there. does think the Thieves Guild are fairies. Her rage subsides, and it immediately turns into, like, this look you've seen before. It tends to come out whenever you're dueling, and she's actively trying to stab you. She's ready to go. Her adrenaline is up. So you wanted to be in on a fight if it happened again. Best way to do that might be to hang around me, because I think they're coming for me. All right. She gets a big smile on her face. But we should just go to bed. You can't tell me we're going to fight fairies and then fall asleep. That, no, no. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll stay up. I think you have a, like a, a sister's murder chat. This is it's bonding, but it's about how to kill fairies. Uh -huh. What kind of information would you like to share about fairy hunting? The only thing she knows is that the silvered weapons will work and this fairy bane sword will work. She is going to say there are a lot of them. I mean, a lot of them. The nature of the guild is such that Kylan is not going to be any help to us if we get in this fight. I don't know that he's going to try to hurt you or me, but he can't help us. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Holy shit. Look what you just did. Oh, God. Okay. She's going to want to spend the rest of the night prepping crossbows and like... Yeah. I guess I'll share some crossbow bolts with her because... Minor silver too, and I'll split my arrow stash with her, too. Got it. By morning, it looks like either gearing up to kill vampires or fairies or something. I will tell her, a useful thing against fairy fairies is iron. But the guild, that's not going to work because they're not really fairies. They just have packs with fairy. Okay. So that's why the silver. Got it. Okay. All right, I think we have some old... Oh, oh, I'm going to get the fire pokers. I carry one already, but get yourself one. So you guys spend hours into the wee early morning sharpening pokers and tuning crossbows. 
I got the psycho on our side, y'all. Better than not on our side. That's true. Better than against you. Jessica, there is, I would like an opportunity to talk to Kylan if we can. Well, I'm not going to kill Kylan. Good, good. Okay. But just remember, there are a lot of them. The lead guy, Vincent, is something to be reckoned with. Okay? Okay. So be careful. Okay. Don't let them bite you. Um, Don't done. let them bite you. Okay. Yeah, fine. I'm arming all in. No bites. Got it. She's armored up, right? Like oh, she... yeah. She doesn't sleep in armor, but you, you think it's just because it's uncomfortable, not because she doesn't want to be in armor. Now, we should probably get a little sleep. We can do that in shifts, but we need to get a little sleep. Okay. Who's first? You. Okay. <laughs> and you fall asleep in the now in armory Jessica's bedroom. Hoping I didn't just make the biggest mistake ever. <laughs> uh oh, the DM's laughing. House Evans is very busy early in the morning, but you are asleep. Morning comes at House Mentor and everyone packs up to leave. What are you two doing? I'm leaving as quickly as possible. I'm also going sofa. So, this courtship, I'm supposed to set one up. What am I supposed to do? Well, I believe you can have all your staff make the arrangements. Generally, it's a party and it's centered around the couple who sit at a table drinking tea together. That's all. And there's lots of formality at the tea table and people hobnob and eavesdrop on what the couple are discussing and make speculations. It's, you know, the stuff of court business. I'll find a servant and send them as a runner ahead. Just, you know, because it's the regent's daughter, make sure that you use your best everything. But yes. the staff will understand that implicitly. Uh, telling the servants in the room while she's saying all of that. Do you have all that? They nod. Morden switches off with champion Helena and Morden says, I'll follow them back to the house and make sure they're fine. On the way. Sofa, are you coming? Do you need to get home? I'm sorry, I must depart, I think, well, I have my own formal courtship arrangements to attend to. I understand. She gives you this wan smile. Any other bits of advice you'd give me before I go home? What would you ask of me? I am not well versed in running a household and less versed in court. Well, you will be expected early on to make attendance at court just so that people become familiar with you. My shoulders drop. Like, oh god. And I would be happy to attend with you. Excellent. And support you there. You don't have to do it very regularly after you've made proper introductions of yourself. I mean, your matron seldom showed up in court. Think of it as temporary. You're establishing yourself, and then you can attend when you like or not. Uh, I understand. Secondly, on the matter of running a household, I have been trained a little, but actually that would be a perfect excuse to take you to my family's country house and our manor there. Cousin Cora actually knows a great deal about running a household. I go a little bit red when she mentions Cousin Cora. That's wonderful. I will very likely be busy at the house for some time, though. I swallow hard. I know she's watching me. I'm turning redder. She'll put a hand on your shoulder. And as far as Cousin Cora... Formal courtship is a thing for the nobles. I completely change the subject very quickly. I start putting something in a bag, despite the servants probably trying to shoo me away. 
I take it from them and I'm shoving it in a bag. I say, there's also something that I would like for you to consider, Silpha. I can't offer a court position, but as I understand it, I am a baroness now and, well, I believe in the power and the importance of magic. Would you consider a house position? I might. That would be a very unusual statement for your house to make. Well, I don't believe your house has ever had a mage. I mean, someone practicing the arcane magic. Your house has always been rich in nature magics. You don't have to answer now. I will consider it, and from Lady Miev's perspective, it would make sense sending an apprentice to protect your house as part of her oath of loyalty. I will consider it. Of course, I'm always here for you. Regardless. I'm glad to hear that. I don't want this to change friendships. So you get to the front gate and go your separate ways. Oh, I don't like it. Bye, Silpha. I'm scared. Silpha's scared, too. Silpha, what's your passive perception? Oh, shit. It's 12, Nate. Oh, boy. Can I roll for a chance of perceiving? won't help you immediately, but yeah, sure. That would be a 16, which is much better. That is much better. So you are a few blocks from Lord Mentor's, headed down a small street. It's not that busy. It's first thing in the morning, and most people are headed out of town. So it's a, it's a bit of a lonely street. A man is headed down the street in your direction, and as he looks up, his hood kind of falls away, and you see some rat-like features on his face. Oh, shit. And your perception is good enough to note that two people have come out behind you from spaces in between buildings, and they seem to be similarly dressed. And as the rat man sort of walks up to you, he says, Silva, Lunari, you're coming with us, please. I said please. And that is our show for today. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes and Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo. Check out fan art on our Facebook page or our potty and blog at carrotsandsuffering.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. And lastly, what will Lord Mentor do with someone every bit as ruthless as their grandmother? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. This is all about survival, Sable. Did I say survival? Survival. (laughs) This is all about survival, Sable.